Seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. You'll never have me, sacred stone. <laughs> oh, this new crazy mother. League of Wildness, Wildman Dan here, and welcome to the Live Wild or Die podcast. This was recorded as part of our week two pack meet of our summer solstice outdoor workout challenge. If you guys aren't in the challenge, if you're not in the group, you're missing out. It's I say this a lot, but it's the most positive group online for sure. So shout out to the Wild Gym, League of Wildness. And Kim really kind of led the charge on this one. She came up with these topics, some of which we sourced from the Facebook group. So again, if you're not in the group, check it out. There's so much back and forth and just collective. Uh, how would I even describe it? It's like the social facilitation of everyone just working on little things, little steps to improve their health, their fitness, all that. It's just the sum is greater than the individual parts. So again, I would encourage you guys to check it out. Consider joining whether or not you're doing the challenge or not. It doesn't really matter. So I hope you guys enjoy this episode. We talk about circadian rhythms. We talk about darkness. We talk about how to work with loved ones. Excuse me, how to work out with loved ones and much more. And on that note, here we go. League of Wildness. Welcome to week two. Our week two pack meet. We got Kim coming in from the north. I'm down here in Colorado, and we hope all is well and wild in your neck of the woods. And as you guys come into the comments, or excuse me, as you come into the video, please give us a shout out in the comments and let us know where you're coming in from. It's always, uh, we appreciate knowing the breadth of the League of Wildness. <laughs> Kim, I, uh, I had a near-death experience yesterday. Oh, no. <laughs> so my buddy, Michael Butts, his Instagram handle is Life with Adventure. He's one of my, I mean, we've climbed together for like 10 years here in Boulder, but he, he, he actually, he had COVID and uh, yeah, he got it like last week randomly, um, but he was, he was, COVID free yesterday. So we met up and did a little, what we call scrambling, which is essentially a euphemism for like climbing without ropes. And it's, it's very, it's easy terrain. It's, you know, it's like slabby stuff and it's quite featured and it's, it, it sounds more dangerous than I guess it is. But so we go up this rock right outside of Boulder. They're called the flat irons. We're way up high and it's kind of a, partly cloudy morning and I just didn't even think to check the weather because it's thunderstorms here is it's typically you know noon is like early noon to two is like kind of the early side and then later on so I didn't even think to check the weather and we get up we're on this ridge and I reach across this little gap to grab this arete this kind of pointed rock and I hear this pop or like this crack like it sounded like a plastic button hitting the rock if you can imagine that I'm like, and I look at my shirt and like, there's no button. And then I touch it again. And it's like when you rub your feet on the carpet and then touch someone and you get sure. that static. And I just, I go, dude, do you hear that? Cause you can hear this like buzzing, this static mm -hmm. electricity, you know? And it's like, you just, you feel sick to your stomach. You're just so at the whelm of nature, you know? So we yeah. just, start swimming up the rock as fast as we could. And then you, you have to down climb off the, it's, it's the, the rock. So you start down here, climb up. And then the, uh, the backside is quite steep, but very featured. 
And we're down climbing like as fast as we can, just terrified. Finally get down and like jam down the trail a little bit, but it's just like, it's, it's you, crazy. You feel, I think it's a little, um, like Boulder can be dangerous in a way in that, you know, you're, you're looking at town from these rock faces and these mountains, Boulder mountain parks right out of town, but they can kill you quick if you're not, uh, yeah. So, yeah, we have, we, where we are, we're part of what's called the Canadian shield, which is a geology thing. So we have like underneath is, is almost all rock. We're like a huge sheet of granite is basically what we have here. And like, like Duluth is the same. Duluth is all cliffs and rock. And years ago when I lived there, a runner got hit by lightning because he really? was running over the rock and the lightning came through or into whichever direction the rock and he, he survived, but it knocked him off his feet. So now anytime I'm in the woods and I'm, I'm stuck up on these high, like granite ridges and I see storms coming, I'm in a pretty big hurry to get out of there. It's oh, yeah. It, uh, and that's definitely not the first time that's happened to me. And it's like, it's just, it makes you feel very small. I'll mm -hmm. say, but it was just, you know, that was definitely an, uh, an error of, commission you know we should have checked the weather that's that's yeah. on us well i know stuff from my sisters lived you know near the mountains a lot and she's had some pretty harrowing experiences too so i know she has said that it can change quick you know even yeah. when you know the forecast stuff just changes yeah we've got let's give some shout outs real quick we got brent toon coming in from the east coast no longer in vampire mode that's great Valerie from NC, Christina, what's up from Florida, Jacqueline, Texas, Kathy, shout out Kathy, what's going on up in Ely, we got, Brent says granite doesn't dissipate the electricity the way soil does, yeah, <laughs> uh, so we wanted to kind of follow through with Kim led the charge on this, so shout out to Kim. But we wanted to follow through on Kim had posted last week, kind of a Q&A post saying, hey, what do you guys want to hear about? What's the league interested? So we have some notes in front of us. And then Kim also kind of riffed off it as well. So we'll see how far we get in a reasonable amount of time. But Kim, anywhere you think any particular topic oh, you're psyched to so start on? I guess one of the ones that stuck out for me was I think one of Choma's questions where he asked how to incorporate loved ones into your fitness journey, which I thought was a great question. Um, for me, I've often find just by inviting somebody, like often that's enough. You know, if you just say, Hey, I'm going to go do this. You want to come with a lot of the times people will join you, even if it seems like they may not be, you know, that kind of person. For me, that usually means I have to kind of shift my expectations. Like if I invite someone to go hiking with me, I have to shift what that's going to look like. When I go hiking, it's usually for quiet. And so when I bring someone else with, there's always lots of chatting and the pace might be really different. So I just have to know that if I'm going with other people, it looks different than when I'm going alone. And then you go and have fun. Totally. Yeah. I was thinking about this, like, I think about it more with my kids mm -hmm. versus, um, you know, my wife and I, we, she definitely enjoys the outdoors. She likes to be active, but she's just not like, basically she doesn't like to suffer, which for some reason I find a predilection for. Um, and I totally get it. 
So I guess, you know what I do, to be honest, is especially for hiking, I just ruck. So mm-hmm. if I, if you load up, if I, may, I essentially put enough weight where it's like, it kind of forces me to be at the same pace, but my exertion level is much higher, if that sure. makes sense. Yeah. And it's like, you know, certainly I don't always do that, but it, it, it kind of helps level the playing field a little sure. bit is one that that's for hiking specifically. I found that quite useful. And even, I guess, same thing for the kids. Like we did a 12 mile backpack this last weekend. My four-year-old hiked the whole thing. It was pretty cool. Nice. Um, but it's, what I've noticed has worked well with them is chunking things out, you know, instead of pointing to, you know, the top of the ridge, it's like, we're just going to go to that next tree, like making small goals with the secret intention of the big goal, you know, but it's just how you frame things. I think. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, for sure. With, with my kids, my two older ones are both adults. So the, the middle one has never been much of an outdoors kid. Like once he got to be old enough to not have to go, he just doesn't go. (laughs) um my the youngest he loves to go but he's kind of like he struggles to get out the door Mm. and so because I know he enjoys going and every time I make him go he's like I should do this more often sometimes I just make him he's 14 and I'm just like nope you're coming with we're going hiking and then he's fine you know once we're out the door and we go he always has a good time totally you know I think you're, you're making me think too one thing I've actually noticed as a whole family, like climbing is actually a really good activity because once you get there, it's kind of a choose your own adventure. Sure, so yeah. someone can do something harder. Someone can do something easier. You're all in the same area. And it's, it's just, it kind of allows you to be outside, hang out, be active, but you know, it's not like saying, Hey, we have to climb that mountain and that's the only option type of thing. You know, so I think, I guess to be more specific, like the general concept would be activities where you can all be together, but it's still choose your own adventure. Yeah. Yep. Kind of like I've seen it called like, like with kids who maybe play together, but they're both doing different things. It's like parallel play. Right. Kind of the same concept. Right. Totally. Yeah. I mean, my wife and I would do like, we haven't done this recently, but we used to do like yoga dates where we'd go take a yoga class. Sure. That was, that's, she's, she's super into yoga. That's really her kind of like, you know, my climbing equivalent. So Mm -hmm. we would go do that. Um, But I think the, like, the value of just simply walking, like it does, everything doesn't have to be a workout. I think it's Mm -hmm. important to recognize, or at least everything doesn't have to feel like this super intense workout, like a casual walk chatting with a loved one is it's good physically, but it's also the psychological benefit of that probably has even more of an impact than, you know, getting your heart rate up for an hour sure. or whatever. Um, the next question was actually mine that kind of went off of that, which was, how do you stay on task, whether you're talking about a workout or, you know, specifically like doing a monkey bars workout or whatever, if your partner or your spouse isn't interested? So this is something I see come up a lot. Nobody in the group asked about it, but I bet that it comes up for some people. Um, For me, my husband is more like Anna. Like he likes going hiking. He loves to go walking, but like even hiking, he's very fair weather. If there's bugs, if it's too hot, if it's too wet, like he doesn't enjoy himself. He does not like the suffer fest thing. 
I always did. I don't know why. Like my sister is a great adventure partner for me because we both are just like, you know, it's like, oh, that was really scary, but that was really fun. <laughs> you know, like that's part of the fun for us. It's like just get, you know, when you get back and you take a shower and there's just like pine needles and sticks in your hair and stuff like that's what makes it fun for me. But like my husband's like, no, I'll hike on a trail, but I ain't picking blueberries and the deer flies, you know, and, and, but for, for us, what really works is even though we're really different in terms of like our fitness goals and stuff is that we can support each other, even if we're not doing the same thing. So he knows what my goals are. And if I'm not hitting my goals, he'll keep me accountable, even if he's not doing them with me. And so we do the same for each other and it works out really well. We don't always have to do everything together but we can still provide that like accountability for each other. That's awesome. Cause I, I've, I have friends that like, it's very challenging and they don't even have kids. So it's, and it's, I have some friends where it's very challenging for them to like, they have the, their relationship is extremely predicated on them doing everything together, which that's just their relationship. And it's, I'm not mm-hmm. saying it's a negative thing at all, but that's their thing, but they definitely have different personal goals you know, and just in, in Anna and I's relationship, we definitely have like our together things, but we also have very different like individual mm-hmm. pursuits. Um, <laughs> like probably most males, I could probably do a much better job of communicating like what I'm actually d- desiring. Cause I, I definitely, you know, as like, I'm looking out the window in a very suburban neighborhood but look at the other window, there's open space. But like, I, I, I've described this as like, as I've had kids and we moved to the, it's, you know, more suburb type place. And like, you've got the play dates and the preschool and blah, blah, blah. It's like, I can feel that tension, like closing in on me. And I just, ah, I want to like break free, you know? Yeah. But, yeah. Um, yeah. I went, I did some hiking in the boundary waters on Sunday pretty far up there it's only a couple of miles from Canada so it's like a 45 minute drive up a gravel road and then it's I hiked for I don't know four or five hours but I told my husband I was like you have your GPS so you must be going somewhere further away (laughs) I bring bring, my GPS has the Garmin in reach on it so it's got the SOS on it which I bring because where where I hike there's no one there's no one there like there's no other people on the trail and it's like it, it's so overgrown and primitive. It's like if you step between two rocks and like break an ankle or something, you, someone's going to have to come get you. <laughs> so I bring the GPS. So when I have that out and charging, he knows I'm going somewhere. Oh, totally. <laughs> He's like, oh, it's been forever <laughs> since you went on a long hike. Kim. He doesn't like to go with because I came back with like 15 ticks. Yeah. <laughs> so. That, that was the part of the marriage he didn't know he was getting into or he's got to pick ticks off of me when I can't reach them. <laughs> There's a country song about that. Check you for ticks. Tim, I got to interrupt real quick. Is that an Oregon Trail t-shirt? It is. That's so yes. awesome. That's like, oh my God, that's so awesome. <laughs> yes, it, it gets a lot of comments. Everyone loves the Oregon Trail. This well, is like you the colors catching and then I'm like, wait a second, I recognize that, you know? Yep. One, I, one thing I meant to say about the, like, I guess, loved one, I guess we can use husband, wife, partner. What I've noticed as well is like, sometimes, like, and if I got to into the comments real quick, shout out to wild mom from NorCal. Uh, we've got Linda saying, I don't like suffering. Kathy doesn't want to suffer. Jacqueline takes joy in it. So we've got 
We've got some spread there. We got Chris Morgan. What's up, wild man? Good to see you. Um, looks like you guys got in some good cosmic rays this past weekend. But um, one thing I've noticed is like Anna will be maybe hesitant to do something that's more on the suffer side, or maybe that she's like climbing, like the heights thing gets to her. But she's always glad she did it 100% of the time. She's never been not glad, you know? So I think that's like, I think some people just need you know, it's like the balance of the universe, like the equilibrium of someone that has a little bit more of adventurous mindset, like pushing the other, you know, Mm -hmm. but, uh, yeah, I get that. It's, it can be, um, it can be challenging, but I guess my thing I've learned the most in the last couple of years is just the being communicating your own wants and desires. Isn't like a negative selfish thing. Like, in fact, it's helpful to spouse, partner, whoever it may be. So that might be something to consider for folks tuning in. Kim, I'm going to let you lead the charge on the topics because you kind of laid these out and I think you're nailing it. Yeah. I just kind of plucked some out of that list. We, we have the whole list down. So we'll eventually get in on all of the questions. Um, there were two in there that are related and they didn't specify what exactly they were looking at. I'm not sure if they are on. Um, Andrea had mentioned that she that sleep is one of her things that she always is having a hard time with. And then Choma um, Noggins was interested in more about circadian rhythm. So they're pretty related. And I wasn't exactly sure what, what um, Noggins was going for, but I thought it was an interesting topic because of a book I'm reading currently. Okay. I this is one of those topics I can go way off on a tangent on because it's just so related to so many things. So I'm hoping that maybe Chuma will chime in at some point, even later on, with what exactly he's looking for on the circadian rhythm part. But I'm reading this book that is called The End of Night, who is by a guy who's Paul Bogard is his name. His family actually has a cabin up in northern Minnesota. And when he was a kid. He would, you know, go out on their dock on their cabin and look at the stars and kind of got obsessed with this night sky star view thing. And so the book is all about like the pitfalls of artificial light and the comparison of like darkness. And a lot of it goes into the ecology of what it does to like plants and animals in terms of, you know, all the impacts like our artificial light has on like migration and stuff like that. Really? I think it's super easy for us to be like all that stuff like the impacts on the birds and the bats and the bugs and all those things happen out there and it doesn't impact us because we now live in here in our little boxes but we're really no different than any of those things and I would bet that I'm looking forward to finishing the book because I would bet that there's actually more impact on us than we have really researched yet um I just, I, I don't think we get to escape having no, having little to no impact com- considering the impact it has on other, other creatures. Um, like, so the circadian rhythm thing has come up a lot for me when I'm reading the book, because that that's what a lot of our research is based on is basically light and dark cycles. That's almost everything that's existed for the research on circadian rhythms. But like, I think more goes into it than just the light and the dark. Like there's, 
you know, like, like, like you had kind of mentioned in um, just a minute ago where, where you're like inside, but then you can see the outside and you're like, I want to be over there. <laughs> you know, it's like the, the difference in how I feel at this time of year, like yesterday, Sunday, we basically, we actually have a fire ban now on the boundary waters because we're basically having a drought again, but it's okay. sunny and warm every day. And so I'm outside like 630, I'm up by 645, I'm outside and I'm outside till like eight o'clock. So it's like 14 hours a day, I'm outside. And like the difference, and 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 like, you know, the sunlight is part of it, you know, the adequate vitamin D and stuff, but it's got to be way more than that. Like, there's just so much, like, I feel like a different person compared to winter, you know, it's like just spending that time is way different than being outdoors in the winter, even on days when I'm outside for hours in the winter, like it doesn't feel the same. Um, but one of the quotes that caught me in this book, and it's funny because it doesn't, it's one of those things where it seems related, but I'm not quite sure how yet. Okay. <laughs> Which is, so there's this guy in the book whose name is Travis Longcore, and he runs a place called Urban Wildlands in Los Angeles. So he exposes young people who live in Los Angeles to nature. And this is a quote of his. He also teaches classes at a college. And he said, I've taught big intro classes where I'd say, raise your hand if you can name three kinds of breakfast cereal. Every hand goes up. Raise your hand if you can name three TV sitcoms. Every hand goes up. And these are classes of two to 300 people. Then I say, raise your hand if you know three species of bird on our campus. No one raises their hand. Raise your hand if you can identify three plants. One person asks if grass counts. <laughs> I'm not making fun of these guys. This is the way we grow up in our country. We're all urban. If somebody can answer these questions, I know 100% that they've grown up in a rural area because people who live in a city never needed this knowledge. And I guess I found that like, that's crazy to me to think that like, for me, it was never anything I learned because I had to, like, there isn't anything in my life that hinges on knowing what a Robin is. You know, it's just like, that's the world that's around you. So you learn about it. You know, that's what you see. You see birds and bugs. So you learn about them. Right. You know, and that, that disconnect is, is crazy to me how it's just not necessary. And it, to me, it's like, well, how can it not be necessary? <laughs> you know, it's just so foreign to me, you know, that, that it wouldn't apply to people because it's just not part of their sphere. Right, right. And it's like, like when I have to spend a lot of time in cities, like it's not the most comfortable place for me. Like I prefer to be here where there's lots of trees and animals and it gets dark at night. But when city people come here, they get really uncomfortable. They feel claustrophobic. It's really dark. They don't like it. You know, they don't have that comfort of like the sky glow that kind of consumes everything at night. And they they don't like it very much. <laughs> so it, it's it's interesting to me to hear them talk about it because it's like, you know, if it's something that's so important to our health, whether even if you're talking just about darkness and light with relation to the circadian rhythms, it's like, well, how do you help like urban people connect to that when it feels so foreign to them? You know, it's like sleep and health is, you know, our health hinges on our sleep a lot. And if our adequate sleep hinges on real darkness, it's like, well, what do you do about the 80% of the global population that lives in an urban area? So I'm interested to see what the rest of his book says, because it's pretty, 
pretty interesting to just to consider all the ways that we don't know how those things impact us. Oh, totally. Introducing the Wild Gym Sleep Mask. Complete darkness <laughs> anywhere you want. <laughs> yes. I have, I have one and I can't think of what the name of it is. It's one of those that I looked and was recommended. I have a hard time sleeping with it. I sleep on my side. Yeah. Having a sleep mask is like hard. You know, it like smushes on the side <laughs> and it moves around. So it actually wakes me up more. And it's like, we don't really need them here. We have one streetlight on our corner, but it's on the opposite end of the house from our bedroom. So it doesn't really shine in. So we don't really have that much. And we don't have any super close neighbors that have like the security lights and stuff on. So it's, it's like a yeah. bandaid, you know, mm -hmm. versus like a real cure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, just he hearing you talk about all that, it's like, I'm thinking of, and again, it seems so obvious to me when you think about it, but it's like the city environment is just, it's kind of the equivalent. And I'm, this certainly is not my idea, but it's, it's more of like that zoo like environment, right? It's an artificial environment. Hmm. And it makes sense that if you take something, an organism out of its natural environment, there's going to be some consequences. And that's probably a lot of what we're seeing, you know? Yeah. 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 It's, it's pretty interesting. And then, you know, like I said, I feel so different when I'm outside a lot. Like even if I'm spending time in my yard, like I work on the patio, you know, I just bring my computer outside and work and I'm, but I'm still outside. And it's like, but then if you take it a step further and take that time to really immerse in like a wilderness area, it's like, and then you go back. It's like, I know like you did like the John Muir trail. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And it's like, I don't know if you have that sense, but it's so weird to come out of that type of environment. And then just, it, it's like being assaulted. It's like a, a sensory assault when you come out and there's like all the cars, like everything smells different. Like you can smell the pollution when on a daily basis, you don't, you know, it's just so different. It's hard for me to adjust coming out of like a camping trip. There's a book it's called the impossible climb. It's by Mark Sinat. It's about Alex Honnold's kind of, it's about his free solo of El Cap, but it, it talks a lot about just climbing culture and history and also just a lot of outdoor. But he's talking about how, you know, he would go on these, you know, month, two month long expeditions to Baffin Island in Canada, which is like way out there at the edge of the world. And when he'd come back, he noticed like the grass was greener, the smells, and his, he was so in the present moment. And I think that's, that's kind of what I hear you describing is like you become so focused on the present and your, your sensory is so heightened when you come into that overload, it's like overwhelming, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And it's weird even just to sit on furniture. It's like, if you're like <laughs> sitting on the ground all the time, it like feels weird to sit in like a chair. <laughs> right, right, right. Uh, your mom's got a great quote here. She's saying, I'm hearing a lot more on Ayurveda. Joseph also follows the seasons and foods and season and following circadian rhythms. It sounds like there is much related to health and remaining disease-free. Yeah, I'm not super familiar with that. But again, like, it just blows my mind that like, a, like these PhD neuroscientists need to tell you to go outside. Like, I just think that's a fascinating, fascinating state of human existence, you know, at least mm -hmm. in the developed world, you know. Brent's saying, I find noise pollution is harder to sleep through, especially when I'm sleeping days and working nights. Yeah, man, that's, I get it. That's hard. Yeah, yeah the zoo, Kathy also says, thinking of being in a zoo when in a city is an interesting concept. 
Yeah, I mean, I don't think like our city's evil. No, is the wild all good and perfect? No, like there there is the balance, but it's like I think we're just maybe tilted a little bit too far, maybe towards the the non wild side. <laughs> we're sure. next yeah i guess i guess my final thought on circadian rhythms like i've noticed going outside helps so much early in the morning like getting that mandatory sunlight exposure as early in the day as possible i think if you're having trouble sleeping check your caffeine you know i i notice because i drink decaf mainly but when i do have my occasional regular sometimes i'll just notice and maybe it's even a cut, but I'll notice I don't maybe sleep as well that night. Mm-hmm. Little things like that, you know, how bright. It, yeah. In the book, it talks about like that, like early morning light. And it talks about like melatonin production and stuff in the body. And like eventually our bodies will slow down with making melatonin like into late, into later age. But generally speaking, if you're in your twenties, thirties, even forties, your body should be making adequate melatonin, but it only adequately makes it when it's actually dark. Mm. And so the reason like the blue light, you know, they specifically, you know, don't want you to have like devices and led lights in your bedroom and watching TV and falling asleep, watching TV. Cause that blue light interrupts the melatonin cycle. And so when you go outside first thing in the morning at sunrise and the couple hours after is when the blue light is the most during the day. So like if you are just woke up and you step outside, like that exposure to the sun immediately shuts off the melatonin production. Mm, Like it just stops. And so the same thing happens. Like if you have LED lights in your bathroom and you get up at three in the morning and you flip the light on. That, that exposure shuts the melatonin off. So then you go back to bed. It takes an hour before you fall back asleep. Right. Interesting. So having those blue light exposures, like right before bed, and especially if it's like the middle of the night and all night long when you're trying to sleep, apparently is what slows way down the melatonin. You know, it's like, I wonder, you're making me think, Kim, that is instead of saying like there's there's this one thing that's killing everyone right it's like is it is it more like death by a thousand paper cuts like mm-hmm. all these little kind of insults whether it's the light whether it's you know some pollution the noise whatever it is mm-hmm. all those little insults aggregate to lead to high blood pressure you know things like that yeah or at least contribute to you know mm-hmm. I don't know, but it's interesting to think about. For sure. What's your, what do you, where do you want to go next? So my next one was more of my own, just a question and an observation, which is about like walking and walking and steps. So like, so I'll just read what I wrote out here and then we can go from there. Like I know Katie Bowman is a fan of a long walk. For many years, she would actually walk her age in miles on her birthday. I think last year she turned 45. So she's walking 45 miles on her birthday. And then one year she broke it up and did 10, like 44 miles for 10 days, I think, for her 44th birthday. So she did 440 miles in 10 days. 
Oh, and wow. she talks a lot about, you know, the benefits of walking in general. Um, but like on a busy day at home, I might put in 10,000 steps just doing stuff around the house. Maybe I'm doing yard work, cleaning the garage, got to go grocery shopping, and I can put on 10,000 steps. But if I take a walk or a hike and I'm doing 10,000 steps, like they don't feel the same at the end of the day. Right. It's like on a busier day where you think that maybe it seems like lighter work, I'm actually way more tired. Like I feel that more. And I assume that has to do with like, if you're cleaning, you're squatting and reaching and lunging and doing all kinds of other motions. And then it it reminded me several years ago, I went on this day long thing where I did 10 minutes of strength training per hour for eight hours straight. So it was 80 minutes, but spread out over eight hours. And I did the 80 minutes because that was the length of my typical strength training workout at the time. And like the impact was way different. Like I was way more tired and so sore the next day from doing that 10 minutes every eight hours than I was from the same, the same amount of work in an 80 minute chunk. And so I was thinking like how that falls into the way we like do steps, you know, Cause so often we'll be like, well, I ran three miles today and now I don't do anything for the rest of the day. Right. And it's just like it, I'm just interested in what your thoughts are on like why, like how that works out. Is it like a recovery thing where if yeah. you're doing stuff all day long, you're not having recovery time. So you're just kind of building on like compounding your like efforts. <laughs> yeah. What, what, what you made me think of is you're probably, well, potentially you could be going at a higher effort than you perceive like your intensity is higher because you are way more recovered. Mm-hmm. So it's like your, your perceived effort in the 80 minute condensed session, since you're not as recovered as having like an hour between or 50 minutes, I guess, between workouts, it's going to feel way different just from sure. a, from a perceived effort standpoint. So your intensity might actually be lower. Sure. But I, I suspect if you looked at like actual work performed on like a mathematic level, the the 10 minutes every, the 10 minute session every hour with the 50 minutes in between, I suspect your total workload would be much, not much, but significantly higher than the 80 minute session, potentially. So do, so do you think that that would, so do you think it like evenly applies to like, if you are talking about something just like steps or miles walked or whatever? I don't know. It's an interesting thing, but just what I'm kind of pre-associating or pondering is, you know, think of doing like a 60 minute steady state walk, right? You're, you're very aerobic, aerobic, right? That's very much like you're just going to get in that groove and you're going to stay there for the 60 minutes when you're doing kind of the stop start more like interval style there could be more of like an anaerobic element to it again because of that higher intensity so that could potentially describe what that that higher perceived like exhaustion is if that makes sense sure yeah but you you were making me think of earlier talking about being outside there's like there's like gym tired or inside tired you know but outside tired when you're out in the sun all day being like that's like a deep in your bones yeah yeah Yeah, it is and if you're putting in like a strenuous effort at something and it's like hours through the day it's like I don't I never sleep better than like nights after like a long hike 
or, you know, even if I'm doing like yard work and gardening, but it's all day, like we just set up some of our garden stuff the other day, you know, so it's all day of pushing wheelbarrows and hauling dirt and, you know, and that's what I was saying, like in that whole circadian rhythm thing, it's like, I think it it's more than just getting enough sunlight during the day, you know, right. it, it, there's got to be more to it, you know, and I know they've done some studies about like time spent in spaces where there's trees versus where there's not trees. And I just think that there's a, an overall broader impact on being outdoors than we really understand at this point. Yeah. Well, like the, the, I think Huberman just posted something about, is it myopia? Yeah. Myopia is nearsightedness, right? Yeah. How uh, time outside is inversely correlated with myopia, myopia, excuse me, meaning the more time you spend outside, the less likely you are to have myopia. And I just what I was thinking about is, you know, basically my entire 20s, well, even earlier. Yeah, basically my entire 20s, I spent, I basically worked outside, you know, all day and even lived outside to a degree, right? Like, I mean, when I was a ranger, we just, it was essentially backpacking for, you know, four to eight days at a time. But Everyone in my family has glasses except me, basically. And I wonder if that just spending that much time outside in that particular time frame just helped with that. But I knew to, I do I've noticed this a lot. Bow hunting is just the the depth perception, you know, because I'm I'm typically in like pretty thick woods where you know maybe you might be able to see a hundred yards, but it's really like maybe eighty to like. 15, but your eye is doing these like micro focus adjustments between the limbs to look at things, you know? Sure. I just wonder if that, that particular stimulus is what is happening when you're outside and in, in forests, particularly because your depth perception is going to change so much. Mm -hmm. So you're getting, you're essentially getting a workout for your eyes without even really knowing it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I asked, when I saw that I went to the eye doctor, I don't know, a couple of months ago, and I asked him about about that in general, because like he'll notice he'll be like, oh, your your eyesight has improved or it's gotten worse. And I've asked him, I said, so what, like, what has that impact on that? And he said, when, you know, when, when you're doing a variety of stuff, so like you're outside, like you're talking about, you're looking at things at different distances and stuff. It's basically a workout for your eyes. Like your eyes are controlled by muscles. And if you spend all day on the computer and then you got a book in your face when you go to bed and that's what you do all day the muscles that control your eyes being able to focus further basically don't get used mm. and so it, it can have an impact on you you know previously not having vision problems and then ending up with them later totally well i think i think also what's unique to forest environments and, and being outside in general is the variety of depth perception of depth of, of vision. Whereas like most homes, most indoor environments is pretty similar. And I'm pretty looking around so on the video, but it's like, there's not, there's not all these different layers to peel through, you know, mm -hmm. whereas the forest just has so much going on. I just, I wonder if that variety is kind of the secret sauce. Yeah. And one thing I noticed that I just thought of when you said that is like, I know one of the things that has come that comes up a lot in like trail running forums and stuff, people are like, well, how do you run in the woods without tripping all the time? Right. And it's like, but your body, like if you're, if you're looking the right, you know, when you're driving, you don't look in front of you, you have to look out. Otherwise you're all over the road. 
but like when you're walking or hiking or running, it's kind of the same thing. Like your brain actually will map the terrain that's coming up. You know, if, if you're looking at like the right distance in front of you, right. You know, it'll, it'll remember, Oh, there's a rock coming up, step over it, you know, so you don't just trip over everything that's in your way. Cause your brain can actually remember and map some of that terrain. My mom just asked, have you been to the eye doctor lately? The answer is no. <laughs> so I could just be talking out of my ass basically. <laughs> I could be totally off the roll here. Jennifer, what's up? Just saying hi. Well, please tune in for the replay. Yeah, it's... Again, I'll, I'll say it one more time, and I'm sure I'll say it many, many more times, but the simple fact of... The simple act of going outdoors and the health and fitness benefits just... It blows me away in the sense of just how profound that can be and how simple and obvious it is, but for some reason there needs to be like science behind it now, which mm -hmm. I'm not trying to question science or anything like that. I'm just saying like, it, it should be obvious. I feel like. Yeah. Yeah. It's really interesting. That's, I guess that's part of why that one quote stood out for me in that book where they were just like, urban people don't need nature stuff. And right. I was like, but you know, as a species, we all do. You know, so yeah, it's, it's an interesting, it's like, how do you get those areas? Like, how do you get a city to improve their lighting for the benefit of, you know, the people who are there, you know, when they don't, like, they don't understand, you know, that link. It's like, well, how do you, how do you improve that? Talking about right. it, I guess. Yeah, it's kind of like, a, it's like, what I'm thinking of is the city the city makes it possible for the, the large group to exist, but it might not be the best for on an individual basis. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. It's like yeah. since, and actually in um, Sapiens actually does a really good job of talking about this, how like the agricultural revolution, it made, there's a food surplus, which allowed more people to live at a lower quality or at least their interpretation was a lower quality of life. So yeah, there's, it's a wild world out there. Yeah, for sure. The, the boundary waters, which I think the closest like border to the boundary waters from here is probably about five, six miles away, but it's a dark sky sanctuary. So it's right. protected. You aren't allowed. There's no lights allowed there. There's altitude limits for airplanes. Like there's no structures or roads or anything like that. And so it got labeled as a dark sky sanctuary. And then I thought, well, as a town, like our town only has 3000 people. It's pretty small. It's like, can't we do better on our lighting to like protect that part? You know, since we're so right. close to the wilderness, it's like, can't we do better to protect our lighting? seems like we could do more. Oh, sure. Yeah. Well, you know what? My parents actually, they have, they have a home up in the North coast of California and it has pretty strict HOA requirements, specifically like, um, exterior, like all the homes kind of have this like wood shingle that really makes it blend into the environment oh, and nice. all the lights have to be covered. Sure. Like it's, it's very dark. I mean, it's beautiful nice. and awesome. Yeah. I want to say my mom might be able to confirm, but I think Kauai and Hawaii has a lot of limits on, 
you know, like buildings can only be a certain height. There's lots sure. of, they protect their dark skies too. And so they have some limitations on some of that lighting and structures and stuff too. Totally. Yeah. It's like, yeah. Well, I think, um, I think we could take this journey for a while, but I think oh, let's, yeah. uh, let's announce, uh, let's announce our week two winners. All right. And we'll go into our final week of wildness. And uh, actually, real quick, I'll announce. So the Misogi challenge, so the ritual cleansing followed by the workout. Ideally, you do that on the last day of the challenge, which would be the summer solstice, the longest day of the year. However, if you do it this upcoming weekend, whatever works for you guys, the League of Wildness will honor your participation. So on that note. Hand it to Kim. Absolutely. So for week two, for the wild one, which is awarded weekly to the member who achieves their outdoor workout every day, is April Castletine. She has done awesome with her consistency. She's also been really just super positive and supportive in the group. So it's been really awesome having her added on. And then for the Wild Heart winner, which is awarded to the person who embodies wildness and was exceptionally encouraging to others in the group, goes to James Thomas Webb. He's offered some great solutions to people who are just, you know, struggling to get out the door and having problems with their consistency. So he was a great encouragement for lots of people. Awesome. And what are we going to send our winners? Oh, I forget. They both will get a $50 gift card for the Wild Gym and then a copy of our body hardening manual. And I think last week I forgot to post the winner's email. So I will include the two from last week, mm. not email, but the post in the group. Um, so I'll include all four of them this time because I think I forgot to do it last week. Cool. And I'll also add we're having, it's 30% off right now, all the monkey branded. So that would be... Monkey 360. So this is our rotational core trainer, pocket monkey, gym in your pocket. Those are both 30% off. We've got dashes in stock and there's, I think, gosh, there's maybe what, Kim, like 15 left, something like that? We're around there, yeah. So if you're interested in dash, which is, I think, my favorite product so far, besides the Ruck. And on a side note, I just got the what's called the golden sample of the Ruck Pack. So they're in production actually as of yesterday. And um, I'm super stoked. So I'll do a separate video post. Got a little wild one here. <laughs> All right. Anything else, Kim? No. League of Wildness, thank you guys for tuning in. We've got our final week. Hope you guys get outside. Stoked to see the Masogi on the summer solstice here. Much love, and we'll see you guys out there.